about the person you're sitting in front of. But anyway, apart from that, um, apart from those questions that I, we've had a look at this afternoon, I wanted to ask another question. A question, I think, let me just have a look at those. So what do we have here? What's, a, what's one of the strangest questions you've ever been asked and why? How did you respond? What's, thing, what's one thing you'd love to achieve in life and why? And what's the next step to achieving it? What's one of your favourite things to do and why? What do you think is the biggest problem in our world and how could it be fixed? Where were you born or where did you grow up and how did you get here? You know, some of those questions are, you know, really helpful to ask ourselves, but I have one that's more important this afternoon. The question I have, this could be, uh, in one sense, the most important question you ever ask, and that is, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? That's the big question I want to ask this afternoon. Um, and this is a question that Jesus asked his followers not long before the most important event in human history, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I want to read a small paragraph from the Bible where Jesus asks this question to his disciples. Now, disciples just means students or followers or whatever. Um, you know, and this is from the Gospel of Mark over here in chapter 8. It says, And Jesus went on with his disciples to the village of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And others say Elijah, and others say one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, You are the Christ. And he strictly, strictly charged them to tell no one about him. Sorry, I'm not using the, used to using this mic. So what's happening here? Let's just think about the context of this little paragraph here in the Gospel of Mark. In the Gospel of Mark so far, Jesus, he comes on the scene and he's announcing, uh, proclaiming good news. And he's saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe in the gospel. This was the message of Jesus as he bursts onto the scene. Now Jesus is on a mission, right? And he's basically saying, watch this space. Watch what I do. Listen to what I say. Watch me and listen because I want you to know and believe the things that I'm saying are true. Uh, I want you to know and believe that I've come from God. I want you to know and believe the good news that I've got for you. And so Jesus starts his mission. And uh, he's going around telling everyone about God's rescue plan uh, from, uh, for people from sin and death. And many people started to follow him around. That sounds a bit odd. Um, and so Jesus starts ramping things up a bit. He starts performing miracles like healing. He's making the blind see and the deaf hear, uh, the crippled people to walk again. He's feeding the poor and helping many hurting people. And all along the way, he's telling stories to explain uh, what God is truly like and what his plan for the future of humanity. And now Jesus, he also chose 12, uh, 12 friends, 12 men to be his closest students. And he's teaching them very specific things about God so that they would go and teach others the same thing. 
And now after a while, there's hundreds of people following Jesus around uh, to, to see what he's doing, to hear his teaching and what he's going to do next. Could you imagine having that many people following you around? Like most of us have had, you know, a couple of kids tailing us for a while and that can be pretty full on at times. But hundreds, hundreds of people. And even though there were many other religious teachers at that time, um, no one had ever heard the things Jesus was teaching before. This was like new teaching that came with authority, came with a particular authority. And all the miracles that he was doing were meant to confirm that what he was saying uh, and teaching was true. But at this point, after, they've, after everything that they've seen and heard, many people still aren't exactly sure who Jesus is. Uh, many of them know where he was born and who his parents are, who his brothers and sisters are. Uh, they know what he did for work. And none of these things were out of the ordinary. In fact, they were very ordinary. Um, you know, on the surface, Jesus was like a regular guy. On the surface, there was nothing really special about him. But everything that he's teaching and all the amazing things that he's doing uh, says that there is absolutely something special about this guy, that there is absolutely something different about this guy, this guy Jesus. And so in the paragraph we read that, um, in the paragraph that we read, Jesus and his followers are moving to another town to tell people this good news about God's rescue plan for humanity. And along the way, Jesus asks his closest friends, who do people say I am? What's the word on the street? What are they saying about me? And uh, it seems that most people seem to think that he's definitely someone who God has sent, but they don't know exactly who. You see, the Jewish people have been waiting uh, quite a long time for God to send a leader, to send a rescuer for them for a very long time. And so some think, oh, he's John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say one of the prophets. And these are all people that God had used in the past, but no one is really sure at this point exactly who he is. Hundreds are following him around, uh, but no one understands yet, almost. And Jesus doesn't seem too worried about the word on the street, but he does seem to be very concerned about the ones who are right in front of him. He wants to know that they are on the right track, that they're believing and trusting the things that he's been saying. And so Jesus asks them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ. Now in another part of the Bible, it tells the same story, but with some extra info added. And, it, and Peter's answer, Peter was one of his followers, of course. He says, you are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus basically says, yep, you nailed it, dude. That's exactly right. And uh, Peter was right. Jesus is the Christ. Um, so Christ, as I've mentioned before, it's not a last name. You know, if he was a school teacher, kids wouldn't be going, excuse me, Mr. Christ. Uh, you know, Christ is a title, not the surname. Um, and Christ basically, you can think of it as that it means basically chosen one. Uh, you know, Jesus is the Christ and he is the Son of God. This is the testimony of the whole Bible, that Jesus is the Son of God, the chosen one, who has been sent on a mission. He's on a mission, a mission to fix our relationship with God. 
Because without Jesus, our relationship with God is broken. It's broken. So who is Jesus Christ? What does the New Testament say about him? Well, one of the main things I want to highlight, and it's in line with our mainly music theme, which is creation, New Testament claims that Jesus was in the beginning before anything was created. It also says that he and God are one, that they are so united that they are as one. They're perfectly united. And then it goes on to say that everything was created by him. Who is Jesus? He is God. He is the creator of all things. That includes you and me. That includes our children over there. That includes the eyes that we have, the hearing that we have, our taste buds. Flowers, birds, puppies, kittens, cake, coffee, all those good things, right? Sorry, my page flipped over. Jesus is God in human form. And now that sounds pretty crazy. But when you think about what better way to uh, 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 communicate with humanity than to become like one of us. Jesus is God. This is why he taught with perfect wisdom and authority. This is why he could perform miracles because he's the one who made the heavens and the earth, making the blind man see the piece of cake for someone who spoke all this into existence. Now, who did Jesus say that he was? What's something Jesus said about himself? Well, he describes himself in many ways, but I just want to point out one today. And this is from the fourth book of the New Testament, the Gospel of John. Now, in chapter 14, verse 6 of the Gospel of John, Jesus makes a huge claim about himself, a massive claim about who he is. And this claim demands either full rejection or full acceptance. This is what he said. The words of Jesus, I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through me. That statement right there needs to be fully rejected or fully accepted. That's a huge claim. What's he saying? Je Jesus is saying that he is the only way to God. The only way. Jesus is saying that he is the only way to get to heaven. That's not controversial at all, eh? Did you notice that he didn't say religion is the way or general spiritual stuff is the way or fuzzy feelings about God is the way? He said he is the way. He is the way. Jesus is the son of God who came to tell the truth about God the Father and to make the way for people like you and me to be all right with God, all good with God and as a result receive eternal life. Jesus says he's the way to God the Father. But the big question is, who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? Now, many people think they don't need Jesus or that their relationship with God is totally fine without Jesus. But is it really? Is it really? We need to consider what the Word of God says and we need to consider just on a basic level how we've lived our life. God gave us life, but 
Have we loved God with all our heart? Have we put Him first above all things, all the time? And lived the way that He wants us to live? Have we always told the truth? Have we stolen and cheated? Have we used His name in vain? Have we committed adultery and and loved the things of this world more than Him? These are examples of what the Bible calls sin. And sin destroys relationships. I'm sure we've all tasted that in some degree or form. Sin destroys relationships. And now our conscience has been given to us by God so that we would know when we've rejected His ways, when we've gone our own way. It lets us know when we've rejected Him. It lets us know when we have sinned against Him. And the Bible tells us that the payment for sin is death. The payment for sin is death. According to the Bible, the reason we all die is because we've all sinned. That's the Bible's claim. And no amount of good deeds, no amount of religious works can ever make up for it. Nothing. Zilch. Zippo. There's only one way to have our relationship fixed with God, and that is through Jesus Christ. The payment for sin is death, but but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal life is found in Christ Jesus and nowhere else. Nowhere else. Now, the Bible is the highest-selling book of all time um, by literally billions of copies, right? And the main focus of this book is Jesus Christ and what He's done to fix the gap that our sin has created between ourselves and God. It tells us that He died on the cross to take the punishment for the sin of the world, and it's true. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Think of it this way. You and I broke God's law, but Jesus came and paid the fine. He paid it on our behalf. This is what the cross is all about. At the cross of Christ, that's where a payment for sin was made for you and me on our behalf. See, because God is perfectly holy and pure and just, He must punish sin like a good judge must punish a criminal. He can't let him go. But we get to walk free all because Jesus paid our fine on the cross with His own life's blood. The perfect Son of God gave up His life for ours and that payment was acceptable to God the Father. We could never make up for our sins, but Jesus can. We can never fix our relationship with God ourselves, but Jesus can. And this is why He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus died for the sin of the world on the cross and He came back to life three days later to prove beyond doubt that everything that He said and did was true. And all we have to do is humbly confess to God that we're, we've sinned against Him and trust that Jesus has already paid the price for our sin on that cross in full. Past, present, future. It is finished. It is done. It is covered. Then you've got the promise from the God who cannot lie that you will receive full forgiveness and eternal life. 
the relationship will be fixed forever. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in that sense if we put our trust in Christ. We can't rely on any good things we've done, but we must trust in the good thing that Jesus has done for us on the cross. Eternal life is a free gift of God. It's a free gift of God. You cannot earn it. You cannot earn it. You just have to accept it. How do you receive a birthday gift? You put your arm out and you receive it. You didn't earn it. You just take it. So you can accept the gift of eternal life by trusting in Jesus. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This life is very short. It's very, very short. But the next one goes on forever. And so it's probably a good idea to think carefully about the place we're going to live the longest. So if what Jesus says is true about himself then there's no more important question to answer than this. Who do you say that Jesus is? I'd just like to pray for us now. Thank you, Father, that we could spend this time just considering you and your works through your Son. I just pray your blessing upon all the people here, that you would give them eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand who is Jesus the Saviour of the world. We praise your holy name and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.